0: I could never see myself doing that. Doing squats? No. In the gym? Like videotaping? (laughs) Filming myself. Filming yourself? Yeah. Yeah. No, we just record ourselves. Yes. (laughs) This is much less embarrassing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're not half naked. Or are we? Welcome to a cast of no name. We are your hosts. I'm Jay and I'm Matt. This is episode 69. Nice. Nice. This episode we discuss another hidden gem as we dive into the world of independent filmmaking while we discuss the 1995 Tom DeSillo movie Living in Oblivion. But first don't forget to visit our webpage, page uh, website actually a cast of no name.com where you can listen to our entire episode library. You can also find us on Apple and spotify uh plus anywhere else you get your uh podcasts and we're on youtube so if you enjoy the show, please leave us a like or a comment anything if you don't enjoy the show then well you don't don't have to do that unless you want to. you can just get out of here to bait people to yeah to listen <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, living in oblivion, yeah, you recommended this yes. You so, said you watched it in college yeah film film class I think it was my freshman year and um it was uh it was pleasantly funny um I you know, would agree with that the uh, uh but I really enjoyed it it um it's kind of a movie to where if you've ever made something didn't didn't even have to be professional but if you've ever done any kind of try to do any kind of video work or film work or making making a production of any kind um, especially with actors or actresses and you have a lot of these moving parts um, it definitely it speaks to that and a lot of people who have done those things can watch this movie and get something out of it but also uh, if no one's done any of those things mm-hmm. I feel like they could watch this and it would be a very I, I guess I don't know it would be a pretty accurate representation as far as everything that kind of goes on like how tedious it Certain could be yeah. and and everything like that but I, I remember it being um enjoyable um remember it being funny entertaining um and but yeah it was just, it was one of the highlights of the movies that we were slated to watch out of right. all my film classes so this is one of the ones that I that sticks out on top. After, after
1: rewatching, do you think I got a lot right?
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and I don't do much video stuff anymore, but it reminded me of everything that I didn't like about doing it. Mm. Um because there is a lot of tedious stuff. It feels like it take like you set up a million things to get 10 seconds or right. 60 seconds something on camera and um just the amount of things that could go wrong or the things that you have to put up with, or um, just anything you come across. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, uh, as I did more and more stuff, I kind of went over towards the editing side of things, because I, 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 I cannot stand production um, <laughs> or actually recording something. And um, it's... It is um, pretty incredible how coordinated you have to be just to get
1: you know, a scene with two people just sitting in a chair. Yeah. So when I was watching this movie, I'm thinking, wow, how do they like coordinate things like uh, Oppenheimer or uh, The Dark Knight?
0: A lot of crew and a lot Jeez. of people. They, yeah, Man. you get those massive movies. And I mean, this is such a small story that these characters are trying to tell. Yeah. But it's like anything and everything could go possibly wrong. And if right. you magnify that to like Oppenheimer, that kind of scale, yeah. the amount of stuff that could and obviously does go wrong on a constant basis and um, especially if you're not in studio like if you're on location mm-hmm. yep what a nightmare <laughs> yeah because yeah they have the uh <laughs> boy oh boy the, the road noise they have because they have to uh-huh. lock down the street they're shooting at four o'clock in the morning they're doing all these things to try and minimize things that would affect the shoot which yep. would then delay the whole budget or delay the whole uh, production and then make the budget go up, or yeah. start running out of money. Yeah, it, this movie depicts it well. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's funny. The um, but yeah, so well, uh, movie overall. So it's uh, directed by Tom DeSillo, and it came out in '95, and it stars Steve Buscemi, Catherine Keener, uh, Dermot Mulroney. Um, Peter Dinklage shows up towards the end, uh, yeah. th- which this is his first uh, movie um oh was it yes and Kevin Corrigan uh who's He's in everything be, yeah who's in everything um so you have did you ever watch Arrested Development yes that's the show he was in yeah that's,
1: that's why I remind, he reminds me of
0: every I, time I see him I didn't first noticed him in The Departed yeah uh he played I think Leonardo DiCaprio's character's cousin mm-hmm. and um that was the first thing I noticed him in um and then, yeah, I, when i watched arrested development i was like oh yeah he's in there and then he's in um oh, pineapple express he's like he's just in yeah. a bunch of random movies oh i'm sorry grounded for life oh. not arrested development Got you. Okay. i'm an asshole sorry well i'm an asshole because i just agreed with you that <laughs> oh yeah he's in arrested development Without grounded calling for you life. On it. <laughs> it's the it's the show with
1: um uh he plays like the uh the brother the the debbie brother who lives with like the yeah he, his brother who he, has a family and all he that was stuff.
0: in um uh but his brother was in what we do in the shadows oh god he played himself um i, I know who you're talking about he was in like some detective show on fx or something like yep. uh gray it's named uh, terriers terriers um, yep for one season i heard that's that's a good show um,
1: that got canceled. Have not seen it. Really early. I'm gonna find his name. This is bugging the shit out. Well, well, you Donal find
0: Luge. it. Yeah, Donald Luge. Yeah, Donald yeah. Luge. Uh, <clears throat> um, speaking of another show, just got canceled. Winning Time. It did. Yep. What for? It was too good. Uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I found that out. Uh, I think yesterday, and I was like, "Well, shit," because I haven't even finished mm. season two yet, but um but yeah it's not going to be a season probably three. gonna pay the writers on strike get out of here probably but <laughs> i don't know i was like i was like that's that sucks that, that's a good show about yeah basketball and business and i don't care about basketball so it's like i don't know it's you, need, you needed the the business yeah, I, I to felt, bridge the well, gap. a little bit yeah but i, I felt like i i was kind of dipping my toe into the sports world or at least could have something to talk about so people would be talking about like sunday night football and everything else and i'd be like well <laughs> You guys want to talk about the Lakers in the <laughs> early 80s? We'll <laughs> talk about the 88 Lakers. Let's do it. Um. So, but yeah, so uh, we have Living in Oblivion <clears throat> and not long movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Uh, hopefully, if you've listened to this, you've probably already seen it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so this is kind of was made as kind of like a little bit of a love letter, but just more of. I mean, it it doesn't feel like a love letter. It feels more like, here's what it's like. I feel like someone asked Tom DiCillo, like kept asking, oh, what's it like to make a movie? And he probably got tired of answering the question, so he made this. Um, Comes out in the writing. Yeah, (laughs) and yeah, because you can, I don't know, there's some small, a lot of small things in this movie that you kind of wonder, you you can see why people hate to make a movie, or they're not like they say it's um it's really really hard to make a movie yep. and, and all that stuff
1: but you only hear about the glamorous yeah. aspects of it you don't hear about the like you said tedious yep. things which there's a lot of scenes in here that go on into all the tedious aspects mm-hmm. of just
0: shooting a scene yep the uh but yeah well let's uh let's get into it let's get into it the um well i liked it yeah i good. enjoyed it a lot good i thought it was funny what uh what what like what I, what were some of the aspects you liked I about?
1: liked uh I thought it was very creative. I liked the you can tell it was a small budget mm-hmm. um, so when you do that, you have to be a little creative. Um, I liked going out of black and white and into color at first i was I'm like, oh, okay, so it's black and white uh I thought it was gonna be black and white when they were shooting the movie, and then it was in, it was color when uh they were back in reality mm-hmm. uh but obviously that wasn't the case. It was like you're in a dream, and then when you're out of the dream, you're in color back in reality. But then they sw- they flopped it again, mm-hmm. like mi- midway through, maybe th- uh, three fourths of the way through. So I was kind of like, okay, well then what's the what's the symbolism of the black and white versus the color? Mm-hmm. Either way, it doesn't matter. It was still interesting. What
0: uh, what stood out to me when I when I watched because I noticed that too. Go mm-hmm. obviously obviously notice it when you watch it, but um, the first. Um, the first, the, so this movie's broken up into about 20 minute segments, mm-hmm. 25 minute segments, and each segment is a. The first segment you find out is a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, that was who, who was the first dream? I think it was Steve Buscemi's, Steve Buscemi's dream. dream. Yeah, and then you had the second segment was a dream by Catherine Keener's character, uh-huh. and then the third third portion i don't think was a dream, Wasn't a dream yeah. it was just real life but they just happened to be filming a dream sequence right so um yeah but with the with the color flip-flopping and um in the first segment you had everyday life black and white as soon as he hits record or the camera's rolling everything's in color yes yeah. and um I just kind of took that as that's uh Nick played by Steve Bashemi. that's what's important to him that's what's in color in his life every his every day every day and everything else is just crap compared to what he's doing and what he's getting on camera that's mm-hmm. that's what's important to him and then you have Catherine Keener's character it's exactly the opposite she's struggling with the fact that she even wants to be an actress anymore she's having a lot of self-doubt with her ability um she's second-guessing herself but as a result then you have real life is more interesting to her than actually what she's doing on camera mm. um and why that was kind of flipped on that that but, makes more
1: sense yeah now i feel like a, no that's. no uh, no no that's probably what it is
0: I, I, I very hope good, so. very astute. I hope so because whenever I talk to somebody about this movie, <laughs> uh, that's I mean it kind of delves into that, and I uh, I hope I'm correct. You are correct. I I believe you are correct. That makes the most sense. Mean, but I mean, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Tom DeSaille
1: is <laughs> like, no, I just I, I just ran out, out of a, fucking
0: color stock. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it was the last part of the <laughs> it shoot. Was cheap. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was interesting. I thought everyone was great. Katharine Keener's great in it. I mean, Steve Buscemi when he gets angry, mm-hmm. it's so funny. There's not there's not too many actors that that can play ang- angry funny as well as Steve Buscemi can. Yeah.
0: And and he's and he's good at playing a character that you can tell is visibly frustrated. Yeah. And plays it well. Mm-hmm. Not that he's good at hiding it cuz he's his like that type of performance that he did his character wasn't hiding it well. You could just tell he was <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> like he was just trying to move on to the next thing to get what he needed to get. But um but no, I liked it. What else uh was there anything else that kind of stood out with you? Um I con. I mean
1: I didn't find too many things were cons in the movie. I thought the uh it was an interesting choice to have like dream sequence with the dwarf in it. I think the, the, the <laughs> with Peter Dinklage in it. I think that whole thing was was just to put the line in there of have you ever uh, have you ever had a dream with
0: a dwarf in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause it's, I don't even have dreams with dwarves yeah. in them.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, that's a good line. I, cause I mean, that's something you're, you don't, you why is that? Why do we associate, uh, <laughs> dwarves as like
0: magical otherworldly beings? I don't know. Yeah. And I, I i don't know for that instance, but I do know, like when I first saw it, I thought it was hilarious. It, because I think up into that point, that's pretty much what dreams were. Um, re-watching it, I couldn't relate to it as much because when I think of dream sequences now, I'll think of um, shows that have just done dream sequences better. And the first one that comes to the top of my head is The Sopranos. Mm. And whenever Tony has, like there's some episodes, um, I think there's at least one episode where it's just totally in his head. Um, he's... Dreaming, um, it, but then there'll be certain segments throughout the show where he's, um, he's taking a nap, he's sleeping, he's doing whatever, but then he's in another dream, and the the way they did those dream sequences, I thought were fantastic because it's random enough, it's yeah. weird enough to where it's not explaining everything, but it would feel like it would make sense, and just the way it was presented, I think yeah. was really really well done. I think there was a couple in probably Game of Thrones, um. But I'm pulling that out of my ass. I, I could not... Maybe not. Oh, or, ma- maybe um, like six feet under. Okay. Um, and other shows have done dream, dream sequences better other than just goofy batshit off the wall stuff right. for the sake of being goofy.
1: Yeah. Did you notice that uh, when they did, finally did get the scene right in the dream sequence, I, I mean, it's not that good, but they're so excited to... <laughs> To, he was like <clears throat> I, it came together he's like i got something he took the whole movie and
0: even though it was dog shit he was just so super pumped that yeah. he finally was able imagining to- he's going to be winning all these awards <laughs> yeah. and everything else um <laughs> and one thing that i noticed though is like every single scene that they're shooting looks horrible yeah yeah like it looks like cr- like it just looks like it's not that interesting of a movie um yeah and of course I'm sure that was probably done on purpose because a lot of times people on the outside looking in like, ah, that doesn't sound interesting or that doesn't, why would someone make a movie about that? But you have these people that are attached to it that may or may not be at times, like a job like any other job, um, to where you may have someone that's like super passionate about it mm-hmm. or just doing it as the next step in their um, career. You have, uh, oh, what was the guy's name? Um, Chad. Uh, to where he said the only reason why I did that movie is because he's like, I thought you were tight with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so yeah. he was just trying to get on his good side so he could eventually get into a different movie. Um, and you have all these, you, there's talk about all these, uh, like the gaffer and um, some of the production assistants talking about like, oh, I'm making my own movie, you know? Yeah. And so they're like just doing it for the little bit of the experience, but then you have like one person who's like super passionate about it and it's just still... It kind of sucks, and yeah. it's just like one of those things to where you don't know what you're gonna have until after it yeah. is made, and and that's that's the sad thing too is you could put a lot of time and energy into something and just have it turn out like shit, yeah, or completely different than what you uh, uh, initially went into it hoping yeah. to do. Because what's the movie even about? There, the first scene is uh,
1: Catherine Keener's character uh, confessing to her mom that she was like abused by her dad or something, mm-hmm. and then the second one's about supposedly about her professing her love for um uh what's the character's name oh, uh, chad <clears throat> palomino's the the actor but um anyway professing her love to to that character and then the third scene is obviously the dream scene it's like mm-hmm. oh you you really want that apple so I'm like what 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 are they even and, making here? Yeah. I have and, no idea.
0: And I think it doesn't matter what they're making because it it's like every movie. Yeah. Like that's supposed to be that's supposed to represent every low budget movie to where you have some people that think they're just making gold to where no more likely you're just making something that no one's going to watch. Right. I mean, worst case scenario, yeah, no one ever watches it. Best case scenario, someone notices it or yeah. something, but um it's just one of the, it's cuz everything's a coin flip. Yeah. Um,
1: so I, yeah, I loved, I loved that the the scene was garbage, but they were so happy. That was, uh, I thought that was a nice touch. And then I I liked the scene, the second scene where the actor, the super quote unquote superstar is giving mm-hmm. him notes on how it should be. I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and you, and you can't say no to somebody DiSolo. like that because yeah.
0: he's in there for a favor. Like it, yeah. you guys, like everyone on that set is so lucky to have him there, but at the same time, no one wants him there because yeah. they can't do what they want to do kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. And he played that character pretty well. Oh yeah. he And he's been in a bunch of movies too.
0: Yeah. There's, guy. um, yeah. James LaGrosse, the, uh, there's been rumors that it was based off of, uh, Brad Pitt. Oh. Um, because, uh, Tom DeSillo had recently worked with him on something, not necessarily directing, but, mm. um, but he has come out and he said, no, it's, it's not Brad. um, and did he did one of these winks? <laughs> no, I don't think he did one of those winks. Then the other idea was that it was Val Kilmer. And okay. um that I could kind of see just because Val Kilmer's been known to be like very serious and very temperamental mm-hmm. because he wants to do like the best work kind of a thing. Um I mean, was it like the island Doctor Moreau or something? Like the whole production went to shit because it was yep. pretty much Egos of Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer going at each other. But, um, the, uh, but yeah, so you never really know who it was based on. But yeah, just that typical person yeah. of, um, more into himself than the actual project. But making uh, the
1: worst suggestions, by the way. Yeah.
0: And you know they're terrible.
1: Yeah. But everyone going along with it. Yep. And everyone <laughs> has to be like,
0: mm, yeah. Mm. Like, how
1: about, how about if, uh, he has an eye patch? Like, um, <laughs> uh... I don't. I, don't you love how you convince them not to do it? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're, they're gay, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and that's the thing like you you have to lie to people almost in certain situations like cuz you will get bad ideas yeah. on and someone will just like, "Oh, what, what what do you think about this?" Or like it's pretty good. Yeah, let me uh let me think about that or oh shit, we sorry, we don't have money or yeah, we can't do it because of this this and this. Oh, but that's such a great idea kind of. So you find ways to lie to um, compliment sandwich. Co- yeah. And yeah. a little bit, yeah. But just to kind of like to keep those batshit things out. Yeah. Um, without hurting the person's feelings because then it's going to affect something else in the work. So it's like a continuous tap dance. Yeah. Um, I th- thought Dermot Mul- Mulroney was good. Oh, yeah. He, he's my really favorite. Good. Like, he's one of my favorite characters in this. The, um, I like, <laughs> well, it goes back to that. They're really excited. So when they're shooting that love scene and... um. Uh, oh, God, what was it? Oh, they're talking about like going handheld or there's some idea. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Um And he's like, roll that motherfucking camera, Wolfie. He's like, kiss my ass. Yeah! <laughs> and then Steve Bichette was like, yeah, now we're making a movie. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever idea they just agreed to is just like some piece of crap thing. And the, But everyone, like you have a couple of people that are really excited about it and it just doesn't really mean much. It's just going to be crap anyway i think they were just excited to, to come to some agreement mm-hmm. it didn't matter how to progress sh- it forward it didn't yeah because they changed the blocking they changed the yeah. and, and in those cert, like and that's where the tedious part comes in is because when they when they talk about changing something it's like well we got to change a light all right how long is that gonna take 10 minutes okay all right we're gonna change like and so then everybody moves like and you have 10 people working changing stuff just to get it OK, now it's now it's set. Well, let's change it back. Fuck. All right. Now they got I mean, it's just doing a, a lot of work, rework and rework and rework yeah. to, to get something. Do you
1: think a lot of movie sets have the guys that uh, that try to do like things like trying to figure out the smoke machine and they have no idea what they're fucking doing? I would say then, smaller.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Smaller things like that. Yeah. Um, that I could definitely see um, because a lot of that stuff Where is you rental. Put the oil. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: like Jesus.
0: Yep. This is definitely for the oil. <laughs> um, but yeah, larger, larger sets like that. No, I, I'm sure there's so much insurance that, yeah, yeah. I mean, the I'm sure there's still, there's still some element of unknown, especially with like new technology that they haven't used before. Yeah, and so like when you get on movies like Avatar or something like that to where it's really using, um, some cut- cutting edge stuff that, um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of it's guesswork, or a lot of it's just very painful process of. Well, that didn't work. How do we make this work? And they're trying to figure it out mm-hmm. while well, they have people sitting on the sides like, let's go. Um, I like the close up at the very beginning of the camera. Yeah, in on itself. Oh yeah,
1: it's a nice little you know, yep. reference metaphor, I guess. Yeah.
0: good little. You're going into yes. the movie making. You're going yeah. into
1: the movie making process. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, and yeah, yeah, because you get. Um, that, that's something I like you, you get all aspects of like, I, I can remember people that I've done stuff with that I could place on different characters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, to where you have like, uh, very professional people like the, uh, older woman actress you have to semi-professional, which is, um, Dermot Mulroney Wolf, uh, mm-hmm. cause he's a professional, uh, cinematographer, um, I mean, still seemed a little green, but, um, but still took their work seriously. You had the script supervisor who was just like, like a battle ax almost to where, Mm -hmm. like very strict, very, um, to where you have gaffers that just really don't know what they're doing but they're somebody's friend or like they're a body there that you needed so you kind of put up with yeah bro, uh, for bro. yeah with with <laughs> the ignorance or whatever so um or the just wanting to be there kind of a thing did you did you think that uh Dermot Moroney should have switched with uh
1: James Legros? because Dermot Moroni is just so handsome that he would be more like the leading man than uh the guy who played Chad and Chad would have been the DP
0: yeah i i think honestly hair color might have had something to do with okay. it okay um and i don't because like you typically think like hollywood star like blonde hair mm, okay um but yeah dermot mulroney is definitely like very handsome very yeah. like he could be very like debonair or whatever sure. and, and i'm sure he could play that role mm-hmm. um and i'm but I don't know, like just Maybe the, the wanted... blonde ditzy look yeah. is pretty good. I feel like it's kinda hard to It's a better
1: character. The D P.
0: Where you get to you get to
1: you know yeah. you get to wear the eye patch and say funny lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean in the
0: same thing, like, I don't know. I think they're both good characters. The um I, I feel like I can see how both of them could be fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I think he could have killed it in that role yeah, as well, too. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: and what was with uh, Catherine Keener's Harry Pitts? What was that all about?
0: I've... What's... Jeez. A lot of weird uh, feelings when I saw that for the first time. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't know if she was like in the middle of doing another movie. Maybe it was a period piece or something like that. Or it could just be... She had... But yeah, I remember and I remember in uh, film class, someone asked her like, Harry Pitts threw me off. <laughs> well, this was what, the mid-90s? Yeah. During Lil Affair
1: and Sarah McLaughlin and that whole like fourth wave feminism thing. I don't
0: know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Free the pit. Free free the pit. Just let it fly. Uh, let that hair flow. Um,
1: Am I here. let me, uh, you, you want to go to this clip that I have? Yeah. This is great. All right, to set this up, this is when uh, things just can't, go right at all. And Steve Buscemi has one of his classic uh, meltdowns.
0: Cut! What the fuck is that sound? Not me. It's a camera.
1: Fuck it is. It's off. It wasn't even running, dick lass. What is going on down there? Do I have a lockup? Nothing. You don't hear a beeping sound? Street's quiet. What the fuck is it? somebody's watch. It's not mine. It's not mine. Not mine. Okay, where is it? God, sucking motherfucking bastard, where are you?
0: <laughs> Take a walk, let Don't get coffee and don't come back, all right? Yeah. Ah. Ah. God, sit no food on six. Here. Are you Are you?
1: Can somebody help me, please?
0: Huh? Do I have to do everything myself here? Ah, hey, Cora? Why don't you go learn your lines, Cora? Hey, script! How about
1: paying attention a little bit there, okay? Hey, hey, focus, Polo. I got some good tie stick. You want to go fucking smoke one, or you want to pay attention here? What are you laughing at,
0: Wolf? You fucking pretentious beret-wearing motherfucker. Hey, I
1: saw you real, man. It sucked fuck would hire you anyway. Hey, Bob! Hey, Bob! Can you make a little noise on the fucking dolly, huh? You creaky motherfucker. Wanda, next time can you wear a shirt that's a little bit more distracting to my actors? What is your name anyway? What do you fucking do around here? Hey, Speedo, you can't find a little fucking beat? Huh? You see what I fucking have to deal with here, Nicole? Maybe do some of that magic on camera? No, no, wait till fucking Wolf is puking his guts out. Oh, now I'll be good.
0: yeah that's th- awesome yeah it's he's so good yeah and definitely wraps up that segment of his anxiety dream as far as like what could go wrong yeah everything could go wrong and um just having to deal with that but um i think this would be very i mean i th- most people i talk to that have seen this before are usually like really into movies or they've they watched it in class because of that or mm-hmm. like someone told them to watch it because they worked in a production of some kind. Um, but I feel like this is definitely could be relatable to anything. I mean, it's just, it's like any, any other job, really the, just with all the shit going on and having to deal with it and everything. Um, but yeah, definitely if, if you've worked on a, anything like even, it doesn't even matter like, if it's like you're shooting a cell phone video um, the same shit applies mm. to where someone walks in your shot or whatever. Like, yeah, I always flip through, uh, on our, uh, a cast with no name, Instagram, yeah. uh, whatever. I flip through the uh, reels, <clears throat> there'll always be like those clips of like, um, those, uh, it's What do they call them? Insta-hoes? insta hose? That insta that's the proper uh-huh. term. When they're, like, doing, like, fucking squats and shit in the gym and they're, like, recording and then they get all upset because someone walks in front of their their camera. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess it's kind of mirrored to that, but just don't do that. Don't be a shitty person. Don't, yeah, don't. Why? Don't, don't go to a gym and do that. Just... Stop it. Just, shh, just hop over to OnlyFans. Just make the leap. Just do it. If you don't have millions go of down. followers right now, it's not going to happen. Just... Just just get that sweet release of relevance and, and go, go away. Go away. Jeez. Uh, I but could never see myself doing that. Doing squats? No. In the gym? Like videotaping? Filming myself. Filming yourself? Yeah. yeah. No, we just record ourselves. Yes. <laughs> this is much less embarrassing. Yes. We're not half naked. Or are we? Um, We're not. But we are. Seriously. Seriously, we're not secret secret but secret sauce are. behind the action. Yes, um, but no, I yeah, it's just I'm looking
1: at the clip right now and I'm just realizing how shitty the sets look. Uh huh. Yeah, you're th- right. You're absolutely right. They're awful.
0: Yeah, it, it looks like they <laughs> looks terrible. They went to a playhouse uh-huh. and it was like the sets they used for like a month for a production, and then they tear them down and and yeah. build them back up. Again. Them back up. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Uh, it's very relatable it makes me not want to make Make there's some movies that make me want to make a movie this is not one of these movies that um i like the simple aspectness of the story yep um and how it takes place in one location more or less and um he was able to get a feature-length film out of it it's entertaining and um I think relatable. Um, even if you can't relate to it directly, you could at least insinuate and you, you get the, uh, you can relate to the characters as far as what they're going through. So, where you, there you can understand, like, you always hear how actors are always, um, self conscious and you're like, why would they be self conscious? They're, they're famous, they're blah, blah, blah. But then they're, they go to work and the people are talking behind their back as far as, oh, God, yeah. she sucked in that. And, yeah. um, and everything else but yeah um
1: oh you know why I didn't think I I didn't pick up that it was gonna be a dream in the very first scene is is because you know you mentioned talking shit uh Catherine Keener's character overhears a couple uh women talking behind her back Mm -hmm. so I'm like how would Steve Buscemi know that if he's dreaming about himself you know what I mean didn't make sense
0: Oh, in the first segment,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I, like when the, the beeping started, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a dream i I wouldn't have thought of that because of that scene that I just talked about why would how would someone be
0: oh um, able to know that' able to know that someone else was yeah, oh, he probably heard that, um uh I mean, he's probably aware that people aren't sure if she still has it mm. to, has what it takes to be an actor but but then again, also in the beginning mm-hmm. of the scene, it also. Uh, starts off with um i mean if it's his dream he's the he's omniscient sure. so
1: he's the narrator um
0: but you could have it but it it is weird how it, it, it um it re- one dream relates to the next so it almost feels like a continuation yeah to where uh from Nick's dream to um oh, what was her character's name was it Nicole yes Nicole um uh to her dream it almost feels like a continuation of sorts um, I but. do, I do like movies like this
1: because of the small budget aspect of it, because mm-hmm. I feel like the creativity just, it just comes through yeah. in the script and the acting and everything. When you have so little to work with, it
0: normally good stuff comes out. Yeah. The, the script, the, yeah, the script for sure, because I mean, they're very simple things, but th- I mean, there's only three scenes that they're shooting. Um, but each one is detailed and a mess in its own way. Mm-hmm uh to keep it entertaining it's not harping it doesn't go back to um the same shit so it's not like they do the sound gag again in scene two this is a different problem this is which I like how he did that to where he took the separate segments and was able to separate problems so they weren't repeating so that way it kind of stayed fresh throughout the whole thing so not only you're not sitting through 90 minutes of the same scene with all these things happening it's Here's a little bit, here's a little bit, here's yeah. a little bit, and each had its own things. So. <clears throat> yeah, he did a good job kind of hopping around with what other people were
1: doing. Mm-hmm. Especially that last scene with the smoke machine and um, trying to. Uh, <laughs> what, we got a hamster in there blowing out smoke. Steve, rings? Steve Buscemi trying to calm his mom down and all that. And yeah, so it wasn't just, fo- like you said, focusing on the one scene. It, there was some kinetic energy. He was creating kinetic energy, so where it wasn't just like a stationary thing, and it mm-hmm. would have made it way more boring. Um, so yeah, things like that, that you wouldn't think would make something interesting that I don't know how much this costs, maybe 30 grand or hundred grand, maybe. It if was, clerk, clerk was made for 10
0: grand or whatever it was. So. It was very small. I know. I think a lot of the actors did it for free or donated their own money for it. Um, I am not seeing how nice of them. I am not seeing a, uh, budget.
1: I love how they called. Uh, oh,
0: Ha, half a million dollars.
1: Really? Yeah. Would Steve Shimmy get 300,000? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how they called uh, Peter Dinklage's character Tito. I don't know why that
0: made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Tito. Um, one thing I liked in the second segment, um, that's the one when they're filming the, the love confession scene. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, what i noticed watching it this is they change that scene so many times they change the blocking they change um inflection of character like what the characters are really saying they change the lighting they they change all these different aspects all these different ideas play out and then at the very end they end up just shooting it like it was scripted in yeah. the first place <laughs> Like, and that's the other thing too. Is like, and sometimes like that does happen. Like, it happens in any profession to where you're like, oh, well, let's. Ah, I'm not so sure about that. Blah blah blah, and then people start changing things, throwing stuff in, and oh, that doesn't work either. And then what ends up working is if they would have just fucking listened to some guy the first time yep, yep. and just did it. Um, but uh, that, yeah, and that, it's like aspects of that movie I feel like are very relatable to yeah. no matter who who watches it
1: yeah well I saw here that Tom DiCillo, uh was a cinematographer that worked with Jim Jeremouche a lot which makes sense yeah cause Jim Jarmusch is like notorious for like black and white movies and just like the I don't know low budget somber mm-hmm. somber feeling <clears throat> and he kinda looks like him a little bit but other than this I, I'd never heard of Tom DiCillo. Um I'm trying to go through like
0: this is the only thing. Yeah, this is the only thing. Like he did Delirious, which is another Steve Sheinberg movie. I never watched it. Um, he does a lot of TV now. Hmm. Um, so he does like a lot of Law and Order, um Chicago Fire, stuff like that. Um, but he's only directed uh, I think a little bit of So, let's see he's he did Living in Oblivion. Um Johnny Swade was, was, a, I think the only other one that I remember hearing, um, and that starred Brad Pitt. So, mm. um, so they think it was kind of like him, but that was 91 and that was before Brad Pitt was huge. Yeah. Um, before he was Brad Pitt. Yeah. And he did Box of Moonlight, um, <clears throat> Delirious, When You're Strange, like a lot, of, like this is the only one I've seen, um. And I think I enjoyed this movie because more so because of the subject matter, not so much as him, yeah, as a director of because it's directed fairly straightforward. I feel like, um, and I mean, it's and it's directed well. The but it, he didn't have like a distinct enough style or anything that made me feel like oh, I gotta watch more stuff of right. him.
1: Yeah, well, now I understand why you why they thought Brad Pitt, uh, why, th- why that character Chad was in reference to Brad Pitt because I didn't I've never seen Johnny Swade. And Brad Brad Pitt stars in it. I've seen pieces of it. Um, <clears throat> I remember the the VHS cover in like
0: Blockbuster when I would rent movies, mm-hmm. but I never I never saw it. The um, yeah, I I I only remember one thing from it. I think it was from from that movie. Who's like he had a he had a suede shoe up next to a microphone, and he was on stage, and he was like brushing a toothbrush against it hmm. or something like that and i was flipping channels and it i just came across it It was probably on hbo or something like that but um but no i haven't really seen anything else that he's done um but but he's good yeah no this movie's really good it's good and the writing was spot on i mean this feels like he's um it feels real obviously yeah you could tell the person who wrote it and directed it had been on movie sets he's he experienced those things and I feel like um this is probably the most realistic movie I've seen as far as on movies about making movies um but there's not too many of them I mean you get a couple like there's like state and Maine you ever see that one heard of it isn't that David Mamet uh, I feel <clears throat> I don't know. It has William H. Macy and Stephen Baldwin and or uh um not Stephen Baldwin Alec Baldwin. Um William H. Macy and uh, that came in at, like the mid two thousands. Gotcha. Um Stephen Baldwin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I go to the, the Give that man more dialogue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> First Baldwin coming to the top of your head. Stephen Baldwin. What? <laughs> Billy Baldwin. No. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Oh, I wanted to ask you. I just thought about this. So that you saw this in, fil- in film class. Uh-huh. Is that a good move? Because wouldn't this distract you or detract you from wanting to make movies after watching they, something they should, like this? That was
0: part of the reason to where... They're, they're like, like, hey, you don't want to do this. <laughs> a little bit. They, they're like, this is... This is fairly realistic. This is what you'll experience and um but we also had I think it was because I <coughs> excuse me. I th- if I can remember correctly because it got 20 years ago now. Uh we had different subject. It was oh, shit. Was it a director's class or what is a I think this was an auteur Portion. so a lot of I think the class the way we had it is like we were hitting genres okay and so we would watch something notable from like horror we we watched rear window or suspense or something like that we we watched rear window um and then we watched uh like film noir I think we watched Fargo or Big Lebowski it was a Coen Brothers movie or Big Lebowski is one of them um I think it was Fargo um and then we watched uh an auteur and it was just writer director like specific vision kind of one got gotcha. after which um and this was before Wes Anderson so um and the notion of auteur is that the filmmaker is the author they're the ones yeah. that they're in control of everything yes um like Stanley Cooper comes to mind like instantly yep. yeah that's another one so yep. um but would then also have like distinct style. So I want to say that's why we watched it, or maybe it was just an independent thing. Um, I can't remember the reason why we watched it, but it had to have fallen under some genre or um, some kind of subclassification. <clears throat> I love it. <clears throat> you don't want to do this. <laughs>
1: Here's why. Oh, and then is that a real thing at the end where, what is it? Uh, they get the scene and I'm like, okay, we re- we have to record thirty seconds of ambient
0: noise. Yes. Is that really? That is real. So it's room tone. So every room has sound, whether you know it or not. And, um, and that was the bitch is because, like, now you have LED lights. You don't really run into it too often, or at least it's easier. But you have fluorescent lights and fluorescent. gives like off sound? Yeah. Like a lot of sound, especially if you uh. have a decent microphone. Um, you can hear the mm, the humming, the humming. and different lights give off different sounds and then or you have an air conditioner or you have mm. um, something, the echoiness, but every room has a sound. <clears throat> and the point of getting the room sound <clears throat> or the room tone is so that way when you cut to things, you can kind of underlay it and hide the cuts of dialogue. So if you ever watch a really shitty video or movie, home movies to where like you could just find it on YouTube. Some kids like making a video in class or something like that. And then it cuts away. So it's like, Oh wait, don't do that. And you hear this. And then it cuts away and the hiss is gone. Like at the same Uh, time of the cut. Yeah. yeah, It's very jarring. And the reason to get consistent room tone is because if you're starting to cut, even if you're, um, because if you're recording dialogue, and you have a boom mic. <clears throat> Wherever that boom mic is and travels, it's going to pick up different sounds in the same room. So what you want consistent sounds, so that way you can hide your cuts a lot better. Um, and that's something that is extremely useful. It is like a dead giveaway as far as like a decent production versus uh, one that's not, um, is uh, being able to cover up those oh, that's cuts. Interesting. But no, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. Huh. Uh, I actually still do that, um, use that if I'm... So I think we recorded, um, we will record, like if I record, uh, I'm trying to think if there's something during this podcast that, not this episode, but just in the process of actually getting room tone. I don't think there was, but but no, I'll typically do that um, if I'm recording something and just Different locations. Now, I won't specifically get thirty seconds of room tone. What I'll do is I will find four seconds, four to five seconds of clean audio. So, if I'm, um, like speaking on camera, and then I overdub myself with voice um, through a microphone, I, I you got to adjust the the voice to try and hide it a little bit, but add that room tone back in to kind of cover up that to make it blend more. Um, but I'll find like four to five seconds that I can just loop huh. and use that as uh, white tone, especially if I'm, uh, if someone records a voiceover or something, um, I'll find just a piece of that static because you won't be able to hear it, but you can tell once it's gone. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's weird. No, but that's, that's a thing, especially um, in I think film, like analog film, um, probably more important than digital, but I'll still use it digitally. Yeah. I'm going to say digital. When you, I would think digital, you
1: could just, I don't know, tune out the frequency or whatever. And and
0: that's the thing. So, um, it, it digital, I mean, digital, as long as you have a little bit, you can easily copy it Yeah. to where if you were working on film, you would want a good long roll, 30 seconds. So you would have like a hundred feet or however many feet that is, uh, maybe 50 feet of, uh, of just that, tone so that way you can put it in places or you can duplicate the audio like re-record it um and make copies of it um just to have it uh but digitally yeah you can find a little tiny sliver and then just duplicate it a bunch if you wow. need
1: to the magic of movie making the magic of movies <laughs> it's magical
0: <clears throat> yeah i mean this is a great movie mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah it, it's fun and um but yeah that's i i wanted to kind of talk about this for our hidden hidden gyms. It definitely segment. is a hidden gym. Because I feel like I don't think I've heard anybody really talk about this. Um, yeah. I'm sure people have. Um, I'm sure there's videos on YouTube sure. about it or something. They um, get tens of views. Tens of views. Just just like ours. We'll <laughs> we'll add to it. Um but yeah I I don't hear anyone really talk about this. A lot of um a lot of movies I mean, yeah, you just don't see a lot of movies like this about, yeah. about making movies. Yep.
1: I was um, trying to think of one, a good movie about the making of a movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing really came to mind. Can't think of anything right now. Tropic
0: Thunder. Yeah, but that does it That's in funny. such an over-the-top yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, way. Um, but yeah, State and Maine uh <clears throat> be the only one I could think of. I only saw that once, and that was in college. But I remember it being funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, uh,
1: I love when we do these things because this is one of the better things I've seen all year. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. I mean, nowadays it's hard to find good things to watch and this is, this is one of them. This is good.
0: Yeah. And it's streaming free. So did on you Peacock, watch, it? uh, Peacock? Peacock. Yeah. Okay. Um, I stole your DVD. Yeah. You stole my DVD and I had to stream it like a, like a man, like a man, <laughs> But yeah, even on the, uh, because I saw it on Peacock and I was like, ah, oh, shit, because I'm poor. I have the ad supported. <coughs> help, me. Uh, help me. Help, I'm help me. I'm poor. <laughs> the, uh, I have the ad supported. But no, I like how Peacock does it. They just play a bunch of ads at the beginning. And oh, And the rest it. of the movie is. No, that's not bad. Yeah. Which whoever, whoever made that decision understands that. They get it. Yeah. They, they understand it.
1: They get it. That's but. good.
0: Well, anything else to add for? No, a blue? I recommend it. Watch it. I it's recommend free. it too. It's free. It's fun. Um, it's unique. It's uh, if you, and it's a good little independent movie at uh, with a good point of view. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, join us next time uh, as we kick off October. Ooh, ooh spooky! 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 Uh, with as. We talk about Silence of the Lambs. Yes.
1: Yes. Classic.
0: Yes. Yes. Classic movie. And we'll have tons of trivia for that because I watched it last night. And it's still awesome. Did you still like it? Yeah, I still liked it. It's pretty good, right? Uh, But I had it on Criterion, and Ah. it was still in the cellophane wrap of my Criterion thing. So I busted that open last night. And then... After we watched the movie, Christy fell asleep on the couch. Oh. I started watching bonus, bonus feature. features. Did you get in there? I got in there. And then I continued this morning. Nice. So it was, uh, I, I think I I, I sternly <clears throat> told my daughters to be quiet. They you were, told them They to were running around. Stop like, ah. I was like, I'm trying to watch this, damn it. <laughs> trying to watch Silence of the Lambs. here. <laughs> Not the movie, just the bonus features. Right. Um, but yeah, so we'll have tons of trivia on that one. Perfect. But awesome. Until next time, Jay. Until next time, Matt.